love, kindness, human connection. These are some of the things we talk about on the Danny Painter Show. It's a thing. This show is intended for a more mature audience. We might sometimes say bad words. This week, we talk to a live music madman. Greg Martins joins us. He's done some questionable things with some very well-known people on tour buses. There are trigger warnings. Rock and roll. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How are you, Greg? I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the show. Oh, it's my honor. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. And you do. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. You have a lot going on. Yes. It's been, uh, it's been a busy couple of days, let alone a busy life. <laughs> I can tell. So welcome to the Danny Show. Oh, before I forget, I want to tell you you're in South Africa, correct? Yes, I'm in South Africa. Okay, well, I'll tell you this quick story because I'll probably forget it. But my mom's uh, aunt had United States citizenship and married a gentleman from uh, United Kingdom. And he owned some diamond mines in South Africa. So they moved down there, right? And then he actually died. So she wanted to come back to the United States. And this is before 9-11 and all that. So it was really easy for her to load her bra up with diamonds. And she's like 80 years old. They wheeled her right through customs, and she got the nicest apartment in Boston. And every once in a while, when she needs some money, she'd go down and take a diamond out, cash it in. I... Well, she was eight years old, and maybe that's uh, the idea of smuggling things kind of was in my blood. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I need more stories. Okay. Greg Martin's on the show because you are a creator, but um, – I, I did a lot of research on you. There's not a lot. I feel like you've scrubbed your Google history um, for reasons that we won't go into here. But you've okay. been described as a live music madman. What does that mean? Um, well, in a nutshell, I, I went to a bunch of concerts. Uh, when I was 14, I saw my first concert, Kiss, in Augusta, Maine. And I just remember my brother being very upset because he was 17 at the time and he couldn't <laughs> go to concerts until he turned 17. My mom gave up and said, well, you guys can all go now. But I went much younger. Just fell in love with music. I saw a bunch of concerts when I was 15. Jay Giles Band, Allen Brothers, Joe Walsh. And then, uh, you know, I started experimenting with psychedelics shortly after that. And I went to see the Grateful Dead. And I'm sure you can research a little bit about the Grateful Dead. I know but, that that, cha that day changed my life for sure. Um, it was Mother's Day, 1979. I was 16. And my best friend and I, Tom Penny, hitchhiked from our private school about an hour and a half away from Portland, Maine, and got to the parking lot and went to the show and experimented there with some Grateful Dead LSD. And I left there saying, where's the next Grateful Dead concert? And I was 16 years old. And a long story short, I ended up going to over 700 Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia Band concerts no. alone. No. And yeah, that's like seeing Jerry Garcia every night for two years in a row and not going, but I had to travel from city to city. And, you know, half the experience was the music, but it was also the people we met and the community and the love. And for some reason, it was, I, I kind of gravitated more towards that. And it was before the internet and stuff, but I had a business card and I handed it out everywhere. And so when Facebook started and all that, everyone got back in touch with me and I've been able to create this community of friends and 
music followers. I'm just a madman, period. So I'm, <laughs> the fact that somebody coined me a, a music madman, that's, that's, I'm, I'm honored to have been called that. So music for you is your entire life. It's, it's everything. Yes, it has been. And it's continued now um, since my friend called me and asked me if I wanted to start a streaming site. So I guess it's a good time. We'll talk about that. We're going um, to talk about that. But first, I have a question for you. Sure, please. So I am a massive, huge. He's tattooed on me. Like I have his portrait on my leg. I have wait, before, wait, go any further. I got to see it to believe it. Come on. <laughs> I got to I gotta, I gotta take my pants off for you, Greg. We've just That's met. what I was hoping for. Give me, give me five minutes, man. <laughs> I have no pants on, so no. Yay! <laughs> um, I will show you my tattoo, but you have seen in Living Concert Color someone that I would give absolutely anything to see. And I listened to a podcast where you said that it was the greatest concert you'd ever been to. Tell me about David Bowie. David please, Bowie. Please David tell me Bowie. about David Bowie. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so happy to, that you, he's on your body. That's a bottom line. Um, <laughs> the fact that he, friends of mine here in Maine, that actually a couple of the guys, well, one gentleman that plays bass, uh, was in a band, Rustic Overtones, and they were signed by Clive Davis, and Clive Davis brought David Bowie to record with him. This is like in the 90s. So... John Rudes will be playing as part of the, my podcast, and he got to record with David Bowie when he was probably 18 years old. But the David Bowie story that I think you heard about, uh, he was actually playing in Quebec City on my birthday. I think it was 87 or 88. It was the Sound and Vision Tour, which that alone was incredible. You know, you probably have seen that tour. Yeah. So the screens and, and the technology and stuff, I mean, he was the most advanced that I'd ever seen at that point. So we took a, a bus to... Um, Quebec City, there's two buses following each other from both radio stations in Maine. And we got to the border, and the very famous gentleman, uh, Brian James, who's the guru, who uh, was in charge of the WBLM bus, they went through customs first. And uh, evidently, they left a little piece of hash in his cigarette pack he didn't know about or whatever. So <laughs> they said, you can't come into Canada. And I just remember it was a snowstorm, too, where the border was middle of nowhere. It was just a border stop. And all you could see going back to the United States was the snow falling. And this poor guy, Brian James, who I was so looking forward to partying with that night, all I could do is see him walking back into America in the snow like he eventually disappeared. But, um, you know, I couldn't go anywhere without a little marijuana. So I sealed some up and put it in my crotch. <laughs> my friend who was on the first bus came out. He goes, leave it on the bus. So I stashed it on the bus. We went in for – they took everyone off our bus, searched everybody or whatever. And so anyway, I got back in the bus and opened the bag and got in the back and rolled, you know, everyone who smoked on the bus came back and it was a hell of a party. But I'd never been to a concert in Canada and I was amazed that when we got there, I got on the floor and in America, everyone just crowds in. In Canada, they all stand in like little groups to their friends. So I, we walked like almost to the front and had our own little group of people. It was amazing. But that was one of the best and still is the top five concerts you know, I ever saw. And I only saw David Bowie once. And the fact it was Sound and Vision Tour in Canada on my birthday. I mean, it was no awesome. better, no better. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous. You've seen. Oh, a lot. I wrote, I wrote the elevator with uh, Adrian Blue, his guitar player. They have to be staying in our hotel, and that was pretty cool. And then the next morning, when we were leaving back for America, there's a limo out there, and everyone's waiting for David Bowie, and he went out the back door, 
they got the limo and took off. So <laughs> all the girls were running after limo. Come back, come back. I would have been one of those girls for sure. You have lived, Greg. You have li- lived, lived. Um, tell me something. Have you, you've obviously traveled because I, I saw you went to Cuba, you've been to Canada. What other countries have you gone to specifically to watch a show? Oh, uh, I went to Cuba to see the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and I might have sent you, uh, I was interviewed by yep. Brian James when I got back. But long story short, uh, I knew the Stones were playing there three months ahead of time. And I went to the computer and there was only like two flights and you had to go to Panama and there's a 14-hour layover. So um, the week before the Stones were playing on a Friday, Obama had loosened a bunch of the embargo stuff. And he was actually down there on a Tuesday watching a baseball game. And I happened to be at home here watching Sports Center because they put the desk right in the center of Havana. I think it's Bob Levy was doing the live from uh, like 6 p.m. And these Canadian dissidents came up behind the camera and threw up some propaganda flyers. And this cop car pulled right up, threw them down the ground and arrested them. And Bob Levy was like, did you all just see that live on SportsCenter? I said, yeah, I did. And I went right to my computer. I was like, I got to go to Cuba. And within those three months, all of a sudden, there's 16 flights, really easy to get there. I booked a flight. I went to Miami, flew into Panama, back to Cuba. Got there like one in the afternoon, took a cab right to where I, I told the cab driver. I didn't, I didn't know where I was going. You know, I spoke, didn't speak the language, didn't have any currency. Wow. Um, and uh, cab driver drops, takes me to the Rolling Stones. But I thought we we're going to this bombed out area. And Cuba is pretty poor, obviously. And uh, so I was like, I didn't know if he was taking me to rip me off or kill me or, you know, whether he's going to take me to Stone Show. <clears throat> so I get to Stone Show. And as I get there, they just opened the gates and there's probably like 3000 people waiting to get in there. I just happened to get out of the cab, the gates open. So I run in and there's this um, like old foundation of people had step over to get in, Well, you couldn't see it because people were rushing in and this girl like fell over and people about to trample her. So I picked her up and she's, Oh, you saved my life. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But she had a bag with like water and, and chairs and nobody. Cause in Cuba, there's no Walmart or anything. People they didn't have a bathrooms, no porta toilets. They said there's a million people there no porta toilets. You couldn't buy water. There's no, no t-shirt sales. So I said to myself, I'm going to follow this girl because I'm now going to stay in the sun for six or eight hours. And she's got water. I'm a little smart that way. <laughs> so uh, we all kind of formulated together. These people came up, said, I know you from Grateful Dead tour. And I'm like, yeah, let's all hang out. And about eight o'clock, I don't know, six o'clock, I was like, really, I wanted some water. I, I said to myself, Greg, how are you going to get some water from this woman that said you saved your life? And I said, I'll fake heat stroke. And all of a sudden, I fell down. And people were like, who's got water? And this girl, boom, gives me water. And I was like, ah. <laughs> The Stones are great. I've seen probably 30 or 40 Stone shows. I worked for Blues Traveler for a while. And they opened for the Stones on Bridges to Babylon. I got some great photos of, you know, me and all the Stones playing pool and all this stuff. So oh. um, I love the Stones. But being in Cuba, there's a free show, which is cool. Because you can't see the Stones now unless you pay a 1000 bucks or something. So I was like, oh, and it was uh, the last show of their South American tour. So everybody, they played Chile, Argentina, Brazil, and all along the whole tour, people were like, let's go to Cuba, let's go to Cuba. So all of these nationalities have flown in there, and it was just an incredible experience. Tell me a little bit about some of the people that you've become friends with over the years, and I would love for you to name drop. Please name um, drop. Well, okay. I've, I've been told I'm a name dropper, but, you know, that's got me, got me to talk to you so I far, want so. you to be. <laughs> okay. Um, you want famous people, obviously. They're maybe still alive or no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, Greg Allman, for one. Um, I saw, followed the Allman Brothers when I was like 15. I went to, they play every summer in Maine, a couple shows, uh, Massachusetts, New Haven. 
So we'd uh, we'd go end our summer tour, following them around. And in 1983, I saw the Greg Allman band in Boston, a club called The Channel. And the conga player was walking by me, and I used to, I played percussions a little bit. And I said, "Great show, you know." And I, I said, let's do a bump. It was '83. Everybody was doing that stuff, right? So he's like, "Come with me." So I went into a little dressing room. And a long story short, the next morning I got on Greg Allman's bus to go to the next show in uh, Providence. And Greg Allman's in the back of the bus which I didn't even realize he was on the bus. It was the first time I was on a tour bus. And I went in the kitchen area and everyone's chopping the stuff. And I, Greg Allman came out behind me. And someone said, Greg, do a bump. And he and I both went to do it. And he looks at me, he goes, uh, there's too many Gregs on this bus. <laughs> and then he asked me how many G's I had because, you know, he's got two on the end of his name, Greg. I'm like, well, I got one, but I got 14 right here, 14 G's. And so we became friends. Um, <laughs> Little did I know that I would end up working for them many years later. And I used to work for Blues Traveler. So I used to be friends with this guy, John Popper. But that's another long story. Um, I don't really want to get into that. But uh, um, so I did a Horde lobster party. The Horde was called the Horizon of Rock Developing Everywhere. And uh, people used to call it Hippies on Recreational Drugs Everywhere. It's kind of that <laughs> own acronym. But the first Horde was in Portland, Maine with uh, Fish. Blues Traveler, Spin Doctors, Widespread Panic. I wasn't working for Blues Traveler yet, but I decided to have a lobster party the night before. And the lobster party turned into an annual thing to the point where Blues Traveler would schedule the whole horde tour so that when they came to Maine, there's a day off before specifically for me to throw a lobster party. So the third annual horde lobster party, I'm out running around getting stuff for the party, and I pull up at 10 o'clock, and the Almond Brother bus is already at my house. They left the show before in Great Woods and came right to my house because they told Greg Allman, if you're sober for the week, there's this lobster party, you can cut loose. So he, he didn't want to check in the room or whatever. He came, they bust pulls to my house and they're there. So we, uh, we start the party off with some nitrous oxide. Hey, the Grateful Dead, Tom Constanton told me that I said, what, what constituted a good dead show in 1969? He said, if we showed up and there's a tank of nitrous. So um, we'll blame it on them. But anyway, there's a tank of nitrous downstairs and I get Greg Allman sitting next to me. My girlfriend's on his lap and there's some other people that, you know, I can name that had never tried nitrous that were in line. Um, so I went from Greg Allman meeting him on his bus in 83 to him sitting in my basement in 1992 doing nitrous with him. Um, uh, let's see some other famous people or just names in general. Uh, no, I'm not that much of a name dropper. Am I? <laughs> I, your, your life is making me feel like I haven't lived enough. you, you're you're definitely not a madman. I think music is in your blood, but you're definitely also giving me a little bit of Hunter S. Thompson vibes. Um, I think you've lived. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, you know, the music's in my blood, but you got I got to talk about you know my genes because everybody comes from somewhere, and it's like part of who we are. Um, my grandfather was drafted by the New York Yankees in 1933. He went to University of Pennsylvania, and <clears throat> excuse me, they're they're uh, they won the NCAAs that year, their team. And just about everyone in the team was drafted by baseball. And so that summer, my grandfather met my grandmother up here in Bangor, Maine, at some movie theater. And they fell in love. And she said, if you play baseball, I'm not going to marry you. Because back then, they got paid nothing. And they're all bums, you know, like Babe Ruth, <laughs> drank a lot of beer and alcohol. <clears throat> so anyway, he decided not to play baseball and met my, married my grandmother. And he became a vice president of a Fortune 500 company. So sales, alcohol, a lot of that stuff's passed on in our DNA now. Well, they know alcohol is. 
And uh, on my other side, my mother's father, my grandfather there, was a pretty successful investment banker in Boston and uh, worked for Johnson and Fidelity, which is now just Fidelity. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he had two accounts to take care of in Boston. One was Wilmington Ford, which was owned by Ben Restucia, very mafia connected. Um, every time there's a hit in Boston, they trace the car back to Wilmington Ford. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and his other account was the Boston Garden, which was in the north end of Boston. A lot of Italians uh, yeah, I'm not trying to correlate anything. But uh, so that was his two accounts that he used to take care of. And he's also an Olympic figure skating coach. So he, st- he founded the Boston, Gar- the Boston Skating Club, which is still going on today. And my grandfather was famously an hour late everywhere he went. And he missed the flight that was leaving from Boston to the World Championships. It crashed over Belgium. And, like, everyone died on it. In fact, uh, ESPN Sports 3030 did a whole show about it. And my grandfather put the ticket in his pocket, in his wallet, and carried it with him the rest of life because he knew if, you know, if he wasn't famously an hour late everywhere, he would have been on that flight. Yeah. So back to the jeans thing, I'm, you know, through all – the music and the traveling for me, I, you know, I like to think I did a lot of good things and I was a good person, which is why the Grateful Dead eventually hired me because they're actually watching people in the parking lot. And I had my own t-shirt business there and they told me I could sell anywhere, anytime. Cause I wasn't ripping them off. And by the way, Bob Weir wants this and Mickey Hart wants tank tops. And so, you know, it's also the traveling and hopefully the good reputation, all the things I've done is coming back and has every day. It's, it's been a lot of fun, but I, I feel pretty good living in my own skin. Greg, I've got to ask you, you you are someone that lives for music, breathes for music, breathes for live music, especially the last year and a bit. There's been nothing. How have you coped with that? What have you done instead? Well, it's funny you should ask. Um, (laughs) You know, my mom is kind of in a nursing home and she was upset that this lady wanted to wear gloves and this lady doesn't wear a mask and all that. And I told my mom and I tell myself every day, everyone's pandemic is different. Mm-hmm. Right. And for me, I wanted to have it about personal growth and accomplishing things that I put aside. And it's also a break from the music. You know, for me, it's again, everyone's pandemic's different. So I've gone around my house. I've found papers and projects I've done halfway. I've completed them. Being in the T-shirt business, I moved in this house 17 years ago and I have boxes of T-shirts I haven't opened yet. So I put the 16 foot clothesline in my bedroom and hung up 500 T-shirts. You know, <laughs> so it's about for me getting all this stuff done. Um, and then my friend asking me to help start this live streaming site, mm-hmm. Tip Jar Society, has focused me and given me lots of work. But I, I talked to this, uh, another back to Rustic Overtones, who, who recorded with David Bowie, their, their songwriter, singer, Dave Gutter. I talked to him a couple months ago and I told him, man, I'm getting all this work done. I feel really good. I've lost 25 pounds. I went on a diet. Well um, done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but here's this songwriter that's so talented. And I said, you know, how's your pandemic been after i told him how great mine's been going he's like fuck you he's like i can't write a song you know so everyone's pandemic is different you know and it's, for me another friend of mine was i'm pretty good friends with warren haynes because i'm dropping names now um i can tell some pretty good stories there but um so uh train of thought bring it back anyway i can't remember what i was talking about sometimes that happens lots of lots of too much in my head right now that's so okay. what are we talking about yeah. Um, I I want to before we get into tip drastic society. Yep. You you are a very good human because you also you you're not only here for living and having fun. You also give back. Um, and you have go big for hunger. Please tell me about go big for hunger. Apparently, you launched this on your birthday. 
Yes. Uh, before that, I threw a party when I turned 40 in New York City. And I left there and decided I was going to throw a party on my birthday every year. So I turned 50. So I did that in Portland, Maine. And I raised what amounted to over $250,000 worth of food for Good Shepherd Food Bank. Wow. And I said, when I turn 50, I'm, gonna, I'm done. And then three years later, I heard that the rate of hunger in Maine out of 50 states in America, all 49 states decreased, but Maine went up. And that pissed me off. So I decided, okay, I'm going to try to do something else. Went to a concert in California, and I learned about uh, Yoko Ono with Hard Rock Cafes, leaving a, uh, a tip on the uh, a line item on the check. So I came back to Maine and decided I was going to start Go Big for Hunger. And yes, I launched on my birthday party uh, up here in Portland, Maine. And I think I had John Popper maybe come up, uh, someone I used to know. And uh, since then, it's been probably seven years that I've been doing uh, on my birthday and shooting foul shots and different things to raise money. But I've raised I think, over $60,000. And that money goes to a, a nonprofit in Maine called Full Plates, Full Potential. And all the money goes to Feed Hungry Kids in Maine. So that's also in my blood. You know, I feel like, you know, for me, it was great to be able to start a campaign to raise money because I love putting on concerts. Mm. I'm a logistical coordinator. That's the term someone called me once. I like it. I get to talk to the bar, the bands, the lights, the audio, and put it all together. And that's, you know, that's what I like to do. Mm. Your, um, I was reading when I was, when I was reading about Go Big for Hunger, um, the, there's one part of it that I think everyone in the world should be doing. And that's exactly what you said. Um, when you pay your bill, you pay it forward for someone else. You pay, it doesn't have to be the whole bill. It can be a little bit. And then that, the, the restaurant has that for someone who does need a meal to come in and have that. And that takes nothing away from you. It could be 20 Rand or $2 or, or whatever it is. It's so little to you, but it could be something so massive for someone else. And I just wish that more people would do that. Um, I, I would love to bring this to South Africa. Like we actually should Let's do it. That's, that's my dream is to uh, be like UNICEF someday where people know what Go Big for Hunger is. And if you look at my logo, I think the, I can't remember, the I in big is actually a, a pen with a dollar sign because I ask people, I, you're right, I ask for $2 or then go big. That's why I called it Go Big for Hunger. Was ah. go, go big, go 5, 10, 20. And $2 really doesn't take much away from the restaurant. It's, it, you know, a lot of people who servers think that Oh, it's two dollars. I'm gonna lose on my tip. So I've had to, you know, get get that thought through to a lot of restaurant people. And yeah, I would love to talk to you more about getting going in South Africa because I need to come visit. You have to come and watch a concert here. I'd love to. Have you been here? Have you ever been here? No, no, I've never been to Africa. We need to change that. There's great music here in South Africa. You have to come. Well, uh, hopefully, when this whole COVID thing's over with, I'll come visit you. You guys are in the news a lot over here now. South <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you that. Yeah, because uh, what we have special COVID here, firstly. Yes, and then, the variant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we invented it. And then um, also our president keeps punishing us and closing the bottle stores. So we're all actually very sober, very unhappy, and creating new strains left, right, and center. So maybe I should come to you. You should come here, yeah. And just the opposite here, like marijuana sales, beer sales. All that stuff are booming to the roof, you know, no one's got anything to do. Okay, so I'm going to um, expatriate myself because that's the only way I can get out of this country. I'm going to get on the next expat flight and I'm moving in with you. Sure, just put a bunch of diamonds in your bra and go right through, you know, (laughs) you're welcome to come. (laughs) 
<laughs> Done. That does, yes. however, mean I'll have to put on a bra for a change, Greg, and I don't know if I'm ready. I'm still waiting to see David Bowie, you know? <laughs> you know what? When I bring the diamonds over to come and drink beer, um, I'll bring David Bowie with me. <laughs> okay, great. It's a date. I look forward to it. Okay. So- you know, I've been a big fan of yours now for a couple of weeks. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, you are also the only person that's ever emailed me um, reference material. So I, I have to give you a high five for that because that's great. That's really thoughtful. <laughs> cool. Okay. We make so a fine connection. Fellow XOTV creator, fellow creator, um, fellow XOTVer, you have a channel on XOTV that is called Tip Jar Society. And this is going to revolutionize how we watch music and concerts um, for at least the next couple of months. Tell me about this. Well, um, you know, the pandemic here started pretty much in March. And my friend John Hanrahan called me in April. And John's a drummer. He's in a band called Love Supreme. And they're actually charting in Poland and Spain right now. He can't wait for the COVID to be over so he can tour over there. Well, he called me up in April and said, let's start a streaming site. And I was like, oh, and he said, I want to start a streaming site. I said, okay, good luck. And hung up on him. <laughs> and then he called me back. He's like, no, no, I want you to be my partner. So I'm like, well, I don't have any money to put into it. Well, I'll take care of all the money to get it up and LLCs and all the stuff that trademarks and all that stuff. And then I was thinking, yeah, everyone's streaming. How are we going to get people to come and check out our site without you know, some kind of connection? And right about then in May, middle of May, maybe June, a friend of John's, said you got to talk to Franz at XOTV and that's when things really started to take off as you know you're involved with Franz and the fact that you know he's doing it for artists more than you know Facebook Instagram YouTube all that stuff they fight to get paid if they get paid at all the algorithms keep all the people they want from watching to be able to watch so XOTV there's no algorithms yep that alone is just incredible you know I got all these people I know musicians I probably got a thousand on my friends list just stream stuff and they're all like, you know, I got 5,000 friends, but only maybe 1,200 watch it, you know? So with, with XOTV, everyone can come over and you can still be on, on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all that. So it is, you know, revolutionary. And I'm, I've been learning a lot about the internet and streaming because back in April, all I knew is how to get my email and check my Facebook. To tell you <laughs> the truth. I don't surf stuff. I have ADD. It's hard for me to even get through an interview sometimes without having to get up and do something. But, um, so I'm learning a lot how to slow down and learn all this stuff. And it's been, it's been really cool. So since, you know, being introduced to Franz, we organized a, a conference phone call every Wednesday at one o'clock. And I've been bringing on, at, you know, musicians and investors and stuff. And it's been every, every week it's different because Franz's pitch is a little different and I'm listening and learning. And, uh, so it came time where we better do our launch party. And I picked out Valentine's day because a friend of ours actually was going to do a benefit for a friend of mine at her house. And I said, well, I'm going to, and I'm going to turn this into a launch party basically. So last Saturday we were in uh, O'Main studios in Portland and had about 20 different musicians there. And it's more like a, a soundstage than a, than a recording studio, okay. like a TV show recording. So it was really neat. And that's going to be part of our launch party on Valentine's Day, which is actually three components. So I got 20 different people in Portland, Maine that played. The second part is three, four different artists around the world, because we are going to be a worldwide society. We're trying to broaden around the world. All the people I met being a music madman, the, the term, I, I came up with the name Tip Jar Society because I want to create the society. 
and the chip jars, what everyone's playing for and stuff. So the second part of the three part on launch party is uh, friends from around the world. I got a friend from uh, Tasmania. My friend the other day is like, where the fuck is that? Get your globe out, Donald Trump. Check it out. <laughs> So uh, Tasmania, a 14-year-old prodigy, uh, Mia Black from Ireland, and she uh, sold 80,000 tickets to a concert in Washington, D.C. herself before COVID. And now I think she's yeah. in a studio with Elton John's people. She's 14 years old. And the second guy is a friend, Jimmy, from Sweden. And then we have Hal from uh, Japan. So that's the second component of Launch Party. The third component are friends from inside the United States that want to be a part of it. A lot of them already have channels set up on XOTV. I got friends from Vegas, Jenna from Detroit. Um, uh, got Pat from Las Vegas. Tyrone Vaughn is a friend of mine from Austin, Texas. You may have heard of his father, Jimmy, and his uncle, Stevie Ray. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm probably leaving a couple out there. But, um, oh, Mike Madison, who is the singer uh, with Derek Trucks and Susan Tedeschi, he's sending a couple songs as well. His band, Mike Madison and the Scrabomatic. And the headlining for the, for the it's going to be four or five hour show is a, a band I put together in New Orleans. I'm going down there on the 10th and on bass is George Porter Jr. from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the meters on guitar is Dave Malone from the radiators and on saxophone is Jeff Watkins, who uh, was just uh, James Brown's band. And James Brown called him the eighth wonder of the world because he was also the musical director. And uh, on keyboards is uh, J.R., uh, excuse me, C.R. Groover, who's uh, in a band, New Orleans Suspects. And on drums is my friend John, who I love Supreme, and he's my partner. And I'm bringing a guitar player down from Maine that uh, he's got a golden voice. He went really far on the voice and plays great guitar. He loves the meters. And he's actually played with George Porter Jr. before. His name is Sam Whitman, and he's in a band, Hambone. So that's going to be the headlining of the probably three, four or five hour show and all the people playing around the world. And I put it all together and it's one of the, if it goes off, I'm, I'm going to be pretty proud of myself because I put on a few shows. Thanks. I put on a few shows here and there, but this one's been a uh, you know, tongue twister and tied, tied up. So I, I don't feel bad. I am leaving for Florida at five in the morning for a vacation. <laughs> You're allowed. You're allowed a vacation. I feel like you deserve a vacation because you just telling me about this is logistically giving me anxiety about putting all of these time zones together and all of these people at the same time on the same day for a launch party. And, you know, it's, I, I love what I do, but when someone uh, texts me like an hour before the recording in Portland and says, where should I park? <laughs> uh, maybe in an empty spot. And at midnight before the show, my friend called me. He's like, my ex-wife is such a bitch. Now she knows I'm going to come have fun. She making me take the kids and I'm like, you know, why do I have to deal with this shit, you know, at the last minute? <laughs> Let me have your my phone number. So I called her up midnight. I said, listen, it's Craig Martens and Jeff is going to come. Hung up. <laughs> so, you know, it's great doing it. I love it. I love doing it. But sometimes near the end where it's like, where should I park? And I can't come and all that. And I'm like, I want to throw myself against the wall. But it went off, I was told it went off really well. So I'll wait and see what the final product is. But it was a lot of fun. Okay. Where do we watch it? How do we access it? Well, that's another great question. Uh, Franz is going to give us a link very soon, hopefully a day or two. I actually just finalized yesterday the poster. I've been waiting to hear from other, some other famous friends 
And a lot of people got involved and didn't. So I gave everyone a time. Like, I need to know by this point. <laughs> so now we're under the gun. So to answer your question, next day or two, we're going to have a media blitz, social media blitz. Um, you will see it. You will hear about it. And it'll be the link, hopefully a little promo video of what's going on in Tip Jar. And uh, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> I hope it goes well. I'll be in Florida on the beach next week. So. Okay, last big question. Um, if there is an artist who's watching this or a band who are watching this and they want to be part of Tip Jar Society and they want to put on a live stream with you because you seem trustworthy and they're probably going to get their actual fucking money. Um, where do they, how do they get in touch with you? And is that something that you'd be willing to look at? Oh, totally. Yes. And gee, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Tipjarsociety.com. And for one of the first things you'll see is a blinking light, which is, my idea it says join here <laughs> click on it everyone's like we already have places from the sign up i'm like well i got add i just know that if i go to the site i'm not gonna see it so look at the blinking light it says join here and the thing about xotv is that we curate everybody we have to okay them and i want people you know putting porn up yeah not on my channel anyway uh, I have I have a slightly have pornographic channel Greg. <laughs> these things have happened before i'm told and, and sites have been closed down and so we need to curate everything, which is great because uh, the thing about Extra TV, I look at like a grassroots YouTube. YouTube has 25 million users mm. and 10 managers to manage it. Extra uh, TV already has 10 managers and there's like 500 people. So they work with you and help you set up everything. And it's just uh, so lucky to be hooked up with Extra TV right now at the, at the bottom level. Because it's going to grow. Like you said, they're going to be huge the next year or two, especially if some some promotional stuff that Franz has been talking about comes through for him. So mm -hmm. yeah, you got my fingers crossed. <laughs> I am looking very forward to spending Valentine's day watching your show. Valentine's awesome. day with you. Will you be my Valentine? I will be your Valentine. This is great. Right. I, I'm, we've, we've spent what 40 minutes together. I'm already in love with you. I'm moving in. I'm bringing my diamonds. But you know what I say to that? I said, all you beautiful women, what? Promises, promises, promises. <laughs> uh, Greg, as soon as I can travel, I'm definitely coming to drink with you. That is for okay. fucking <laughs> Beautiful. I look forward to it. Thanks for your time. It's been Thank a pleasure. You. And honor. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, enjoy your holiday. You deserve it. Thank you so much. I hope they open up your booze shop over there so you guys can start drinking again. Oh, they did that yesterday, so well, I'm off to do that now. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're like, what? It's almost bedtime for you now. No, I'm kidding. Um, what time it, is it? There? Time to... It's it's half past three in the afternoon. So okay, well, that's my time to go too. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thanks for your time. We'll see you Bye. again soon. Bye. Remember, you can catch the full video on xotv.me, and you can meet us in kind of real life. Thanks to DJ Chuck for the music. You can catch him at www.chucksprosound.co.za. New episodes on Jackpod and XOTV every Monday. Love you.